Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. All right, it's that time of the year, and by that I mean it's a new year. Um, I want to welcome everyone to 2023. Um, Congratulations, you've made it. You've made it to a new year. And we're going to talk about timing because it just seems like a good time to talk about time with everyone making New Year's resolutions and everyone paying attention to the passing of the years. Oh, my God, that makes me feel old. Um, it just seemed like a, a a good moment to like pause and talk about timing, not just over, as the years roll by, but specifically for the MCAT. Um, I don't think we've spent a lot of time talking about, um, I, I'm, I'm going to keep doing this over and over. I'm just going to say time a thousand times. Um, I, I Like we haven't spent a lot of time talking about what to do if you are struggling with timing. I know there's a lot of students that kind of like end up with like a couple minutes left and a couple passages to do and having some strategies and plans for what to do if you find yourself in that scenario and also ways to avoid putting yourself in that scenario um, are, are things that are really important. Um, it is a long exam. You got to make sure that you have a a plan for how to deal with timing and pacing overall. Um, I think that's one of the critical things for prepping for the MCAT that really not many people talk about. Most people are focused on content and strategy, but having a good timing plan is important. Yeah, 100% agree. Welcome to 2023. (laughs) Really excited to just kind of turn the page and start a new chapter and just get to think about how we want to use our time effectively. And we felt that for this podcast, like you said, timing was just really important. And I personally think that a lot of students actually with respect to cars, so this may be different in the sciences, but in cars, students that come to the free trial session, students that I'm talking with at office hours who are in the course, often have questions about timing. And I'll ask them, okay, what are you most concerned about with cars? Or what do you think your weakness is in cars? And this also applies to students in the sciences. And they say, I run out of time. Timing is my issue. And then I ask them, and I encourage you guys who are listening to think about this too. If you had an unlimited amount of time to answer every single question on the exam, one sitting, would you be able to get every single question correct? Almost everyone should be saying no. Why? Because first of all, if your if your strategy isn't good for cars, sorry, definitely not getting every single question correct. If you don't know every single piece of content and how to apply the different content material and how the different relationships or how the uh, content content and concepts relate to one another, you're not going to get all the science questions correct. But also, we're human. We have a finite amount of attention in one sitting, a finite amount of energy in one sitting, and being able to sit down and take the exam and spend 10 minutes on every question is not feasible. And so a lot of times students think timing is their main issue, and it's often not, because if they were given unlimited time in one sitting, they still wouldn't get every question correct. Yeah, I think it comes out a lot to like technique, right? Like if your technique is off, you're going to be missing questions, but also your timing is going to be off. And if your timing is off, generally that's an indicator that there's something wrong with the way that we're approaching this. It's not just timing in and of itself. It's a, it's about the approach. Exactly. And 
you know, at in in the car section specifically, but I, I suspect that this also in a way applies to the sciences, just with the addition of content first. We go through an accuracy phase first, meaning the emphasis is on being able to get questions correct. Because if you have, you know, all this time, but you're not able to get the questions correct with an unlimited amount of time, then like you said, there is a strategy issue there. And so you have to be able to get questions correct and be accurate when you're answering questions first. And then because this is a long exam, you could build up to that test day timing. And then at the end, fine tune, right? You want to be able to use some of what we're going to be talking about today. So when do you focus on timing? When is it actually, and when is it really the problem? You should be able to get questions, individual questions correct before you start working on timing. So that means if your exam is six months out, if your exam is eight months out, or even five months out, or four months out. Timing should not be your focus. Your focus should be your accuracy. In the sciences, it should be making sure that you have all of the content down packed, making sure that you're able to identify the relationships. Because remember, the MCAT loves their relationships. And so you want to make sure during those periods of time, oh goodness, this is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting episode with all these time puns. Um, during that period of time, you want to make sure that you have those that uh, those strategies that are correct. You want to make sure you're able to apply the information. And then identifying when it's actually a problem and you should be focusing on it is when you're able to get questions correct consistently, not just sporadically, and your test day is approaching. So let's say that you're, you know, two months out from your exam and you have your endurance built up. You can sit down for eight hours, but you're still running short on time when, you know, you have maybe two minutes left and four passages left. That's an indication that, hey, I'm going to be working on timing now. I'm going to give timing more attention than I did three months ago. Yeah, there's an important thing kind of going in. I think when students start off, they pay more attention to timing than they should. <laughs> Um, and they're not worried about developing skills. Um, I know I talk about this a lot, but CARS is 100% skill-based. There's no knowledge that you need to know. Um, it's 100% skill. But even in the sciences, there's also skill components. Mm -hmm. There's some knowledge components as well, but like data interpretation, oh. interpreting graphs, figures, like just reading and following along what's going on with all the scientific jargon. Um, there's some skills involved in that. And I always like to use um, like an analogy to kind of understand this. Like if your goal is to be able to decorate a cake beautifully in 10 minutes, right? That is your goal. And, and you've got like a month to, to train and figure out this. You want to do like a wedding cake that is, um, beautiful enough to put at your best friend's wedding, right? Like, but you also want to be able to do it in 10 minutes, right? I think that might be possible. I don't know much about cake decorating. So this <laughs> might just be straight up impossible. I think it probably depends on the way you're decorating it. But like, if this is your goal, what you don't do is on the very first day, set a stopwatch for 10 minutes and then try to make a beautiful cake in 10 minutes. No. Nope. What you want to do is you want to take like as much time as you need to make a beautiful cake and then do that every day for like two weeks. And after you've done this, you're going to be really good at this. You're going to be better at it. You're going to have developed skills. You're going to be faster because you've worked on how to do this correctly. And so then you can start worrying about timing. Um, another like analogy is pretty much the exact same thing, but like helps students kind of understand this. I don't know if you've ever seen Gordon Ramsay chop an onion, but he like <laughs> takes an onion and the knife 
and it just like explodes into confetti. And it's kind of weird the way he handles like the knife in this situation. And so like he grabs the knife by the blade itself, right? And he also has the knife is always touching the cutting board. It never comes off the cutting board. And the knife is also touching his other hand. So the blade of the knife is touching both of his hands as he's, and he's like rocking it back and forth. If I wanted to be able to cut an onion like Gordon Ramsay and as fast as Gordon Ramsay, I don't try to go fast the first time that I'm doing this. I just want to try to develop the technique. I want to try to develop the skills. And the more I do it, the faster I will become. If I try to go fast at first, I'm going to end up cutting myself. And like, I'm never going to develop those skills because I'm so worried about timing that it's making it harder for me to learn those skills and strategies. And so kind of the same thing with timing on the MCAT. The first like bit of, I would say the first like half of your prep, you should not really be focusing on timing as much as just focusing on, am I doing this correctly? Am I getting the right answers? Am I dealing with the passage correctly? And you're going to need to tweak your form. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to need to work on strategy and developing those skills. But the more you do it, the faster you will become. And that's a really key thing. Um, yeah, I always use the the driving a car analogy. Uh, but yeah, and I think this is something that I want to make sure is very clear and that students understand why it's the case that working on accuracy, whether it's in the sciences or in cars, will improve your timing. You'll be able to, when you can identify how the test writers think, when you can identify the types of questions you're getting, or you can recognize your mistakes or what you might be prone, mistakes you might be prone to making, all of that, it then in turn improves your speed because you're able to get through an individual question faster, right? Or when you know what to look for in a science or a car's passage, you're going to be able to work through that passage faster. And so the accuracy phase builds in improving, imp uh, timing improvement, right? And so that's what I think a lot of students also don't really understand. And so since we we both, you know, since we mentioned it, I want to make sure that they understand why that's the case. You can, like in the sciences, you can imagine a situation where you come across a question and you're not sure what equation to use. And so you try one and that doesn't work. And then you try another one and that doesn't work. And yeah. then you're running out of time and you're like, I can't do this. And so like you jump to the next question. Like you didn't learn anything, Mm -hmm. with that that effort that you put in. Now, if you said, okay, I'm not worrying about timing. I tried with this one equation that doesn't work. This equation doesn't work. Oh, but this one does. Now I understand what I'm supposed to do with a question like this. Mm -hmm. And so the next time you see a question kind of like that, you're going to be faster just inherently. Um, but that's because you figured out what to do with a question like that. Now, if you're so worried about timing that you are not getting questions and you're not figuring out what you're supposed to do with the different questions, you're not actually getting better at timing. You're also not learning the content better. And so mm -hmm. if you're focusing on timing and like, like accuracy at the same time, you're actually worse at both of them. Yep. You want to work on accuracy first um, develop those skills, and then you'll be faster. Exactly. But yeah, I do want to kind of take a moment. There, there's a lot of stuff about timing that we want to talk about today. Um, this is kind of like a like a sidestep, kind of like stepping back for a moment, but like take breaks, right? Like utilize your breaks on test day. You have breaks between sections. Um, a lot of times, okay, not a lot, but I have had a handful of times where I'll have a student that was like, you know, I just want to be done with the test. So I'm skipping my breaks and I'm just going to go straight through. And that is not 
a good strategy. <laughs> you will burn out faster. Like it's really hard to sit for like seven hours, like bolted to a desk and in the zone for seven hours straight without taking a moment to take a breather, mm -hmm. right? Like that is just physically hard. Like it's hard on your body. And so take those, take those breaks, you know, get up, stretch your leg, go to the bathroom, even if you don't need to go to the bathroom. Um, if you're like me, I needed to take a swig of some caffeinated beverage on my, my break because I'm a caffeine fiend. Um, but like take those breaks and that's a, that's a really critical thing that you want to make sure that you're doing. Yeah. I think that's huge because like you said, it's really hard on our bodies too, not just mentally. And so I think what a lot of students don't realize is getting that blood pumping again is going to be great. And so I had I had one student, I will never forget, who went to the bathroom and they were just like a very physically, athletically oriented person. And they just moved a ton in the bathroom. Um, and just like, I was like, what could we do? I, I've mentioned this to other students after and I'm like, go do some jumping jacks in the bathroom <laughs> or outside in the hallway um, and just kind of get yourself pumped up again. So that way you can go in a little bit fresher than if you just sit there stressed, thinking about the one question that you just can't get out of your mind from ChemPhys or from BioBioChem um, because you're like, I think I got that question wrong. Could I have done something else? It's over, right? That question is gone. And so being able to move and take advantage of those breaks is huge. Have a snack during those breaks. If you're anything like me, I am always snacking. And so if I were to sit down on test day and not have a snack, that would be bad for me because it's mm -hmm. deviating. The other thing I want to make sure that we mention is that these breaks, it's important to think about the timing of the breaks in the sense that you don't want to come back and your exam will have already restarted. So don't turn a 10 minute break into an 11 minute break. Um, pay attention to how many people are lined up to go back into the room. If you know there's a line, get in the line, right? A little earlier before those 10 minutes, you might want to have a two minute buffer. Um, but if there's no one in line, maybe you just give yourself the nine minutes and then the 60 seconds to get scanned and head back and sit down. Um, but you want to make sure that you're mindful and paying attention to the clock enough to not have your test restart without you. Yeah. The, the other side of that, I have had a couple of students who, when they went back into like after their break, the proctor would start the test for them. And so you don't also, I kind of hate when this happens, but you don't want to go in super early. Um, like, you know, only take three minutes of your break. I definitely would not recommend not that. Um, definitely take as much as you can, but it's a good idea to make sure that you're back in the room, like with 30 seconds or a minute to spare. Mm -hmm. um, I will say I've had a couple of questions do or a couple of students do push-ups or jumping jacks um, in the hallway before or even run like some quick sprints. And it's just good to get the blood pumping again. Um, mm -hmm. It's important to remember that your brain is part of your body, right? A mm -hmm. lot of people say like, oh, I'll work on my, my brain stuff and I'm just going to neglect my body until after the MCAT. But like if you neglect your body, your brain does worse. And so putting those, like there's kind of a holistic view of health there. When you are healthier physically, you think better. You're better at thinking and making connections. Um, that's something that I did not learn as early as I should have. Um, but definitely every single person in my med school class who was performing really well, like the top 10 like people in my med school class, all of them are very physically active. And I don't think that that is a coincidence. I think that it is because they're active that they're doing better. And so um, not just during your breaks move around, but also while you're studying, while you're prepping, 
like make sure that you are budgeting your time um, for you know just real life, like taking care of yourself. Um, a lot of students, myself included, I just try to shackle myself to a desk for months without getting outside, without going for walks, and that probably made things harder for me than it should have been. Um, yeah. Not just physically, but also psychologically. Like it is, like it makes things more difficult overall. Yeah. And I think that's that's a really important pre-test day um, thing to know. Since we're primarily focused on test day right now, what I want to start talking about is how do you prevent running out of time on test day? So you've put in all the hard work, you've studied, you are now on test day, you've made sure that you were moving around and getting plenty of, of exercise, eating well before test day, you sit down. And how do you go about it? So with the sciences, about how much time do you want to spend on a passage? Well, the passages tend to be a little shorter than cars, and you should be able to identify what topics you're more likely to get questions on. Um, you should, by this point, be pretty decent at some data analysis, know what equations relate to the topics you've identified. So you're spending about three to four minutes going through the passage, and then you're spending about a minute per question. Now, note that this is an average. So if it takes you less time to get through a question, that's okay, that's great, that's fantastic, it's time you banked. And if it takes you a little longer to get through another question, well, that's also okay because you banked the extra 30 seconds from a really fast question. Um, what that does not mean though, is that you are going to sit for a, on a question for four minutes and think that you banked enough time for that. No, you're going to try and hold yourself accountable to that one minute mark. Now, that doesn't mean that you are staring at the clock <laughs> on mm -hmm. test day because you don't want to be looking up every 30 seconds to see if the minute has passed. That's not a good use of your time or your mental stamina. So you want to get a feel. You should have gotten a feel for what a minute feels like before having started test day. With cards, it's a little different. So with cards, you get 10 minutes per passage. Now, the amount of time that a student spends reading the passage versus answering the questions will depend a lot on the student. You should not, though, be spending eight minutes, nine minutes reading a passage and trying to get through four to seven questions in one minute. It's just not going to happen. So a lot of times for the average student, they'll tend to aim for close to about five and five, meaning five minutes for the passage, five minutes for questions. But again, this is variable per student. As long as you are aiming to spend 10 minutes on each passage on test day, you'll be able to pace yourself in a way that you shouldn't end up with, you know, five minutes left to go in four passages that you haven't touched or haven't seen yet. Yeah. And I think, it, I know you've already said this, but I just want to reiterate, this should be an average. Mm -hmm. If you do a car's passage and it takes you 11 minutes, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, as long as the other passages are like, you know, the, another passage took you nine minutes. Like that's fine. Yeah. When it becomes a problem is when all the passages yes. take 11 minutes or 12 minutes, because that means you are just not going to have time to do all the passages. Mm -hmm. um, I like that you said, you know, if you're spending four minutes on a question, like something like that's not like you don't want to be doing that. Um, I generally like whenever I sit with a student, um, which I've done a lot in the past with tutoring, going through their exams, kind of like looking at timing. It's really important to figure out where that time is going. Um, for the sciences, like it, it's got to be either the reading the passage or doing the questions. Let's, like your time has got to disappear into one of those things. There are some students that just take longer reading the passages always, right? And it's it's a reading speed thing. And I know this happens in cars a lot as well. For those students, you need to work on reading faster 
um, going through this. But I also think it's really important to be able to identify what stuff matters and what stuff doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. There, like every single passage, the sciences and the cars, I would say is about like 60 to 70% fluff where there's stuff you just don't need, right? Um, like in the passage, and I use this example a lot, but in the passage, if it says, you know, Ebola is a deadly disease that ravages parts of Africa, more research needs to be done to understand this uh, viral epidemic. And like, there's nothing testable there. They're not going to ask you, is Ebola deadly? Should we research Ebola? Well, those are not going to be questions you're going to see on test day. So those sentences just flat out don't matter. And this was where kind of like the skills come in. If you are developing the skills where you can run through the passage and you're like, these are the five things that matter. And then they ask you about those five things. You're going to be faster than if you go through the passage and say, here are 40 things that I'm going to try to remember. And then they ask you about five of them. So developing skills of understanding what stuff matters and what stuff doesn't is will help you with the timing in the passage itself. But not every student that struggles with timing struggles in that way. I have had students that have spent like an extra minute or two on every single passage. I've also had students that have been perfect on timing, but then they'll hit a question and they'll spend five minutes on one question or four minutes on one question. Um, This tends to happen more often in the sciences overall. But what I've seen in these cases is if a student spends more than two minutes on a question, they are more likely to miss it than get it correct. And so any time you spend after two minutes is wasted time. And there's a lot of times where I'll have a student that got caught up on like three different questions and they spent four or five minutes on each of those three questions, which means they didn't get to a passage and a half. Right. And so like they just didn't get to like, you know, 10 questions because they spent so much time on those three. And then they still miss those three questions, because if you're spending that much time, you are you're missing something. There's a piece of information that you're missing or you miss something in the data. Like there's something that you don't have to answer that question. Right. And so you're missing those three questions and you're missing the other 10, where if you just said those three questions, like once you hit the two minute mark, you're like, I don't know, I just move on. And then you got to those other 10 questions, you are going to do way better. So if you find yourself losing time in the questions, first off, when you're reviewing, make sure you figure out what was happening there. But secondarily, while you're testing, it's really important for you to be aware of time and realize like, I've spent too much time on this. I just got to move on. I'll flag it and I'll come back to it if I have time at the end. But um, this is a really critical thing to figure out where that time's going and then figure out how to work on that overall. Yeah, and I, I have this. So by the time you're working on timing and even before you officially start working on timing, you will be doing AMC questions. You can see how long you spent on a question mm-hmm. on the AMC material. And so there was one student I remember, and I was like, how long do you think you're spending? Because I had at that time, you know, they had given me access to their, um, and this was during tutoring or uh, while I was tutoring, they had given me access to their AMC account. And they were like, how, I asked them, how long do you think you're spending on questions? They definitely underestimated that number. And I showed them and I said, look at this. You spent four minutes on this question. They were like, I spent four minutes. I was like, yeah, you spent four minutes. You thought you spent a minute on this question. Four minutes that cost you, like you said, that cost them three other questions that they could have gotten correct. And so it's really important to recognize that and know that that is that information is available to you. That data is available to you concretely. 
The other thing, um, when students have gotten to this point and have like, you know, and some of us have very little sense of time. Um, and so a lot of time can pass and we won't realize it. Or sometimes we feel like a ton of time has passed and we don't realize it. Um, I will have students and I in the past I've had students when it when they just truly did not have a sense of time. Do a question and set a one minute mark. Set that alarm to go off in one minute and get a feel for what that feels like. That doesn't mean you're going to do that for every single passage. You're definitely not going to do that on practice exams, right? But it's just until you can have an idea of what one minute passing feels like. And again, that's not going to be everyone. It is not appropriate for everyone. But for folks who are just like, I don't know how much time is passing and I'm terrified because I keep looking up at the clock to see if a minute has passed. That can be something that can help, but it does yeah. not substitute any of the other things that we're talking about. It doesn't substitute good strategy. Um, that's important to yeah. mention explicitly. I do I do want to mention one other thing here, and this is something that is, is often a struggle for specifically people who want to be doctors. You guys tend to be overachievers. You tend to be like the sort of person that wants to make sure they know as much as they can know. And when they do te tests, like they know all the content and they can do all the questions. The thing with the MCAT is the MCAT is constantly throwing curveballs. The MCAT is a very difficult test, which I realize I don't need to say. Um, but <laughs> I want to point out that you can miss questions in every single section of the test and still get a perfect score, right? Like that's, that's how difficult the MCAT is, is that honestly, the writers don't expect like, the perfect student is not getting all the questions. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the sort of person that in undergrad, like you are used to being able to answer every single question. And if you couldn't answer a question, it kind of like affects you psychologically where you're like, no, like I don't miss questions. That's not who I am. And like that sort of thing. When you go to the MCAT, those are the students that get caught up and like, I spent six minutes on this question because I didn't know it. And I like, I thought that if I worked on it hard enough, I could get the, get the right answer. But like, you can miss that question and still get a perfect score on the test. And so spending mm -hmm. six minutes on that question means that you didn't get to the other seven questions that you wanted to, um, or the other six questions. And so that is, that's a big problem. And so I think that that is something to recognize in yourself. Now that's not going to be all of you, but some of you, this might be describing something <laughs> kind of going on in your head. So learning to learning when to let go of a question and yeah. say like, I don't know, and that's fine. Um, and move on. That's something that generally MCAT students, like people who want to be doctors, we're not used to saying, I don't know this. Oh, well, and then move on, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel right within us. Um, but I think that that is something that is useful is to recognize when a question got you and you're like, yeah, I got nothing for this. Um, but I'm going to make sure I get every other question that I can here. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I think that that is a really important skill to develop as well. That for some people is the first time that they've had to develop that skill. Um, and that is, that is a little bit, um, it's a little bit scary and overwhelming for some students. Now, the other side of things, like, let's say, like everything we've been talking about up till now has been like how to like approach timing and what to do with timing and how to avoid falling behind in timing. We'll take all of that into information. Uh, all of that, we'll take that in. But what happens if you are on test day and all of a sudden you are running out of time? What do you do, right? Like what's your plan B? Plan A is don't run out of time. <laughs> plan B is what do I do if I am running out of time? And so 
in the sciences, things are a little bit different than in cars because in the sciences, you, I, I was going to say can bring in outside knowledge. No, like you have to bring in outside <laughs> knowledge. There are some questions that don't require any passage information at all. Um, like your discrete questions, right? Like between the passages, you'll have your discretes. Those questions are worth just as many points as the questions that are tied to passages. And so if reading a passage and doing those questions is going to take you longer than doing the discretes, but they're not worth anymore, then that's not a good use of your time. That's not a good investment in here. So if you find yourself with like four passages left to, to, to do and you've only got 18 minutes, right? Don't put in a lot of time on the passages themselves because they're not worth more. Um, you can get more points out of just jumping. Do the discretes first. Make sure that you are getting the discrete questions answered. Yeah. And if along that same vein, like you said, you know, some questions require the passage. Some don't. There are actually some questions in the sciences that are associated with a passage, but don't require the passage. And I know we've definitely talked about these before, and we call them pseudo-discretes because they're not actually discrete questions in terms of, you know, being disassociated from the passage, but they might as well be. And so if you learn to recognize these, and by testing, you should absolutely know how to recognize these, read the question and find it. Find those pseudo-discretes and answer those first. And that's going to be the second most important thing that you can do in the sciences, again, the ideal situation, don't end up in this situation. But of course, we recognize that sometimes it happens and the MCAT is stressful, it's tough, um, but you want to make sure that you have a backup plan. So, so far, do the, dis the actual discretes, fast forward, and then go back with additional time. So let's say you had those 18 minutes, maybe you answered, you know, eight of the um, the questions that you had left, right, of the, the discrete questions. And then so now you're spending, you recognized another, you know, five pseudo discrete questions, maybe took you a minute or two to find them. So that's another six minutes. So now let's say you have four minutes left. Yeah. The, like the, the interesting thing with these pseudo discretes is I, I think it's important for students to understand that they're there that there are times, and this is something you should be paying attention to when you review. You should be looking at what did I need to answer this question? Was it from the passage or was it from my head? Um, like you could have this big, long, really complex passage with tons of data and tables and figures about the enzyme that, that breaks down lactose. And it's a whole passage about lactose intolerance and it goes into genetics and all of that stuff. And then there'll be an answer or there'll be a question about like, hey, if we were to separate um, these sugars using size exclusion chromatography, which one is going to be the slowest to go through the column? And you just pick the smallest thing, right? Like, and like they'll give you answer choices. And so it'll be like lactose, maltose, sucrose, and glucose. And glucose is just smaller. It's a monosaccharide. The other ones are all disaccharides. And so just pick glucose. I'm like, I don't need the data. I don't need the figures. I don't need the, the pedigree analysis of the genetics from the passage. I don't need any of this. I just need to know glucose is small and then pick that answer. And, and that doesn't require anything from the passage. And so that stuff happens kind of more often than you might expect. Um, you know, it, it's as much as like a third of the questions um, that are associated with passages don't really require the passages. So if you find yourself in a scenario where you've got two minutes to go, or, or let's not say two minutes, let's say six minutes to go, and you've got two passages left, 
I'm going, I'm not going to read the passage, right? Because I don't get points for reading the passages. I get points for answering questions, correct? I'm going to go look at those questions, figure out, can I answer any of these without reading the passage? And that way you can still maximize the number of points you're getting without, you know, without spending too much time. And so out of those two passages, maybe you get three or four questions correct um, in that in that case. And then you can make educated guesses on the, the other ones as well. Yeah. And I know sometimes students associate pseudo-discretes with size of, or like length of the question. And so that is not always the case, right? So don't jump to the questions that look shorter, assuming that those are going to be the pseudo-discretes. Take a moment and actually look at what the question's asking. Um, yes, some of the pseudo-discretes will be shorter, but like the one you just described is a little longer than, you know, what did X, you know, represent in the past, something like that. So yeah. it's important to keep that in mind. It's a helpful kind of heuristic, but it's not, it's not set in stone. There's also some like questions that are still based on the passage, but still a little bit faster. Like mm -hmm. if they say, which of these functional groups is not found in compound one? Like, I don't need to read the whole passage. I can just look at the compound one figure and say like, oh, it's got an amine, an ester, and an ether. It doesn't have a sulfhydryl group. Pick that answer and move on. Um, and so there are there are questions that still are based off the passage, but you can still answer them pretty quickly. Um, now, that being said, like the heavy experimental passages themselves do tend to have at least one or two questions that really require you to kind of put together lots of information from the passage. And those are going to be hard to answer quickly. But um, we're talking one or two questions per passage. So if you've only got two, two passages left and you don't have time to read the passages, that means you're missing like maybe three questions out of that as long as you really know your content and you can like recognize how do I approach this question. And so that is a really big deal. I also want to mention... We talked about two weeks ago on the podcast, I think, we talked about MCAT judo, um, which is using the answer choices against the test writers, right? And so even if, I think I used this example as well, um, even if you haven't read the passage, if they ask you a question like, which one of these scenarios is going to lead to overweight mice? Like one, a mouse with extra of this protein. Two, a mouse with an antagonist of this protein. And three, a mouse that is a knockout for that protein. I'm picking A, <laughs> right? Because like having a knockout means you have like none. Having less means you have less. If those, if if having less of this protein made you, I don't even remember what I asked, whatever they, they asked, then they would both be correct. Mm -hmm. And you can't have two correct answers. So you can kind of eliminate those. But I also said extra protein and less of the protein were options which means one of those is probably correct because they're saying opposites of each other. And so without reading the passage, they asked me like, which one of these proteins is going to make a mouse gain weight? I'm going to pick the one with extra protein, what protein X or whatever it is from the passage. I haven't read the passage. I have no idea what this protein does. I have no idea what's going on with mice, but just based off the answer choice, if I have two saying the same thing, they're both wrong. If I have two that are saying opposites, one of those is probably correct. And so in that scenario, I can just look at those answer choices and be like B and C. It's 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 probably A or B because they're saying opposites, but B and C are saying the same thing. So those are out. So it's A. I didn't read the passage. I know the answer is A. Uh, that's really useful as well. I know we talk about MCAT judo a lot in the course. Um, 
It's, and I know when we talked about it in the, in the podcast episode, like MCAT judo is not a beginner, an MCAT, like beginner skill to spend time on it, But like, that's like MCAT, like 411, 510, like upper level MCAT stuff. It's not MCAT 101. Um, and so I do think though, that in cases where you are running out of time, all of a sudden that is something that you can do for sure. Yeah, every time you say 411, 511, my brain's like, wait, what? You're thinking about MCAT scores. Yeah, like yeah, 511, um, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's really important because these a lot of what we're describing are things that you can prepare for while you're studying and preparing for the MCAT that then allow you to use them if you do run out of time. And so you want to take all of these all of these things into consideration even before test day is really close, which is why we're having, you know, this, that that's why we chose this time to have a podcast on timing, because it should not be something that you're thinking about the day before test day. It's something that you should be considering beforehand already. Um, but let's say that you've gone through all of this and you've done your discretes, you've done your pseudo discretes, you've used MCAT judo on those, uh, on those questions that maybe are dependent on the passage or related to the passage, but you were able to finagle a couple of extra points. Maybe you have four minutes left, right? So what are you going to do now in the sciences? Well, you can skim a passage. Unlike cars where you're not going to really get a whole ton if you just skim a passage, with the sciences, you can start doing the same things that we talked about in regards to pacing yourself before you run out of time. And you can see, okay, what's testable in here? Let me just look through really quick, find what's testable, and then go and answer those questions. And so that's another opportunity with those four minutes, you maybe get another two, three questions correct because you take a minute to skim and then you answer some questions. And so all of these things ultimately can bank you quite a few questions, even if you're running out of time. And so I think it's something really important that you pointed out was taking a look and you said the timer at 18 minutes left. So this is not just something that you do when you're at five minutes left. You can start incorporating this even beforehand if you know, whoa, I spent way too long on each of my passages beforehand. Yeah. And this like you know, using like skimming that passage. There's also some questions where they say like, based on the data in table two, like, okay, you got to spend time in the passage to understand this, but you know the answers in table two. Yeah. So just like look through table two real quick. Um, you can sometimes, like I don't really recommend skimming in cars, but if they say like, what did the author mean when he brought up capitalism in the second paragraph? You could maybe go and like look at capitalism in the second paragraph and make an educated guess. But generally, like it's a little bit different for cars overall. But I do want to kind of like just introduce this, right? Like if you had two passages left and a set of discretes and you had, let's say, 18 minutes left, which is kind of not enough time for, for all of those things, you can get through the discretes first. You get through the pseudo discretes. Use so that's leaving you with like somewhere between two and five questions left after all of that, that you have, you've done all of those, you've gotten all the points that you can out of those cases. So you've got like, got like four or five questions that require a lot of stuff from the passage. You can use MCAT judo and maybe get one or two of those, right? You can also like, and so that at that point you have like three minutes left and you've, um, or let's say you've got three minutes left and you've got three questions left, Right. Those questions are going to require some information from the passage that you just don't have time for. But like find one that says like based on the figure and then go try to figure out that one. Um, the other thing, though, is just make sure that if you 
Like in that scenario, okay, then those three questions, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to figure out. But that's that's not bad for saying I didn't have time for the last multiple passages that there were three questions that kind of like gave me trouble at the end of this. Still put down answers. You don't get any, you don't miss points for putting a wrong answer in. And so I would just go in and put B for all three of them or C or A or whatever it is that you want to put for that. But like, you know, statistically, you're probably going to get one of those correct. You're more likely to get one correct than miss all three. And so by the end of this, you miss two questions. And remember what I said earlier, you can miss a question and still get a perfect score. Depending on the test, you could miss two questions and still get a perfect score. And so in this case, we have this scenario where the student is running out of time. They don't have time to do all of the, the passages, but because they've got this plan B of what do I do when I'm running out of time, they can still like get and squeeze every last point that they can out of this. Um, and that's a big deal right? Like having a plan B for that sort of scenario. And this is where making sure that you've worked on your accuracy beforehand is really important because if you've run out of time, but your accuracy was on the floor throughout the first part of the the exam, you're still, it's going to be really tough to do well on that section. So make sure that you've built up your accuracy. You can consistently get questions correct. And that's where when you run out of time, you can still get questions correct. But if you're struggling to get questions correct in the first place, even these tips are going to be somewhat helpful, but they're not, they're not the cure for the problem. Right. If like, for example, if you don't know how to answer like those discrete questions, jumping to them will not help you. (laughs) And like, they will not allow you to move faster and get more points because if you just don't know how to find the answer there, like it doesn't, doesn't matter how much time you have. Um, so it is important to, to work on that kind of accuracy phase first. Now, everything that we've been talking about now has been kind of the science side of things. Like, I also want to talk about cars and cars is a little bit different because in sciences, you can and must bring in outside information. In cars, you have to not bring in outside information. And so there's no discretes. There's not even pseudo discretes, right? There's like, there's not every question comes from the passage itself. And so this is also a little bit, there's a little bit different. You need a different strategy here because what worked in the sciences will not work for cars. One thing I think is important is keep track of your time, be aware of your time. And if you find yourself spending too much time on a question, flag it move on. To be honest, that also applies to the sciences, but I think that it is much more important in cars than in sciences for dealing with timing. Um, Because there are times I've had a student spend, like like we said, five, six, seven minutes on a question. And I'm just like, all right, well, there's a passage we don't get to do now is because we spent so much time on this question. So flag it, move on. Um, Make sure that you are not getting sucked into a certain question. Yeah. And that's a huge way to prevent yourself from falling into, oh, snap, I have five minutes left and, you know, two, three passages left um, situation. But it's also really helpful for if you do run into that situation, because when you start noticing like a string of and when you flag, put something down. (laughs) This does not mean don't put something down. You should still choose an answer because you don't want to get penalized for not putting an answer, right? Whereas you will not get penalized for putting a wrong answer. 
Um, and you still have at least a one in four chance of getting it correct. Mm -hmm. If you were stuck between two answers and you're like, wait, I've been spending too much time. Now you have a 50% chance of getting it correct. So make sure that you are, you are flagging freely on test day. Um, when you run into that situation where, okay, I now have five minutes left. I have two, three passages left. Um, you want to make sure again, that you're putting something down for every single question. So what you'll want to do is flag a couple, the first in the row, so you know where you left off and what passage you left off on, and then just go, click, answer, click, answer, click, answer, until you get to the end. Um, if and, and let's say that you didn't listen to our advice and you have a couple of questions um, that you didn't answer, you didn't put anything down for in the beginning, this is where review incomplete, that button becomes your best friend because it will take you to all of the questions and only the questions that don't have an answer down for them. And so I actually tell students to do this for every single section, before you press that submit button and you end that section, click review incomplete and make sure there aren't any questions that don't have an answer for them. So. Yeah. So recapping really quickly with the flagging, flag freely at the beginning, you're flagging, you know, when you run out of time, make sure that you flag a couple in a row so you know what passage you left off on. Um, make sure that you have an answer down for absolutely every single question before you go on. Yeah. Now, in cars, this doesn't work as well as it does in the sciences, but you can still do some MCAT judo. You can still kind of like bring some things to bear. There are certain trends of like how the MCAT writers can make answers wrong. And so if I have five minutes left and I have two passages left to do, I'm not gonna have enough time, right? Like if I'm doing the timing that we talked about earlier, I can spend that five minutes reading one of the passages and then that's it. Like I'm, I've spent five minutes on that. Like that, that gets me zero points. So I want to try to take a look at the questions. I'm going to try to look through here. Uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to make sure I have an answer for everything, but I'm also going to make some educated guesses if I can. If I see answer choices that are extreme, I'm going to try to stay away from those. I'm going to go for the more vague answers generally. Um, if you say two things saying this, the same thing, then I'm going to kind of lean away from it. Um, but more often, I know when we talked about MCAT judo, we talk about nested answers, where if one answer fits inside of another, like, you know, fighting my boss gave me a raise. And then an answer choice that says conflict can be beneficial, <laughs> right? Like if fighting my boss gave me a raise is true, then conflict can be beneficial automatically. It could be true that conflict is beneficial and I didn't fight my boss for a raise though. And so that fighting my boss for a raise, crossing that out conflict is beneficial, that could still be true. And so we've eliminated an answer choice, even though like we didn't read the passage in that case. So I think that there are a couple of times you can do this. It does not happen that often in cars. It is not a, it doesn't work as well in cars. In the sciences, it works a lot better. But if you are in an emergency scenario and you are on your actual test day and you've got two minutes to do two passages, I'm going to try to do something, right? Do what I can in this case. Um, and that's, you know, kind of like leading into another idea here that don't let what happened in the previous section pass into the next section. Um, this is another reason why it's really important to take your breaks, right? Get up, take your breaks, shake your arms out, right? Like everything you did is gone now, right? I'm going into a new section and I'm fresh, even if I struggled in the previous section. There are a lot of students that um, struggle with chem phys. And in some ways, 
that might be the worst scenario because ChemFizz is always first. And so if you struggle with that and you feel awful coming out of that, like I ran out of time, I didn't know any answers. When you go into cars section next, like generally students tend to do worse in cars because they're not mentally present. They're not engaged in the cars. They're stressed out about what happened in the last section. Um, so you want to make sure that you're not letting like a, like a prior performance crossover and how you're doing in the future, right? Like don't let, I messed up my bio section. Don't let that screw with your psych section. Um, and that's, you know, kind of going back to taking that break, move around, walk around, do some push-ups or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, drink some co coffee or black iced tea and, and eat a granola bar or a bite of a granola bar. Um, whatever it is that is part of your routine, do that and then move on to the next section. Yeah, I know I've definitely mentioned this before on the podcast, and I think I'm, I'm fairly sure we've talked about this, but when you're even in cars, if you found a tough passage and sometimes just after any passage, take five seconds, close your eyes, reset, because you do not want um, you don't want that affecting the next passage. But something else really quickly um, to mention is that when you're studying, you should be paying attention to how long a passage takes you. But again, like we talked about early, think of the average. And a lot of times what students do is that they, they slow down a lot on test day out of a panic that, oh, I'm going, I know I'm, you know, it's, it's test day, I have to do really well. You have to stick to what you've been practicing as much as possible. Test day is not the time to change your strategy. Test day is not the time to panic. And we've talked about in, in prior episodes how to kind of address test day anxiety, um, but really important to say that test day is not the time to change whatever strategies you're, you're using. That applies to both the sciences and cars. Really quickly for cars, there, there's this type of question where they might ask you about how a word was like how a word was used in the passage. Um, and it tends to be almost like a definition question. A lot of students will get this question wrong because they will use the normal definition. So I mm -hmm. would steer clear of those. <laughs> um, just recognize that if you put the common definition, it may not be the best answer. Um, but so at least not picking the shot. obvious thing. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's worth a shot if you, because obviously you're not going to go back to the entire passage that you haven't read and look for one word, right? Whereas yeah. um, just kind of triaging the questions that you do try and answer. For example, if you, it's really hard to get a main idea question if you don't know what the passage is about, but it's a lot harder to get a question that's giving you new information and asking you how the author would feel about that, mm -hmm. right? So if I have to choose between those two questions and which one I'm going to try and answer, I'll look at whatever the subject is for that car's passage and I'll try and answer the main idea question because I have no frame of reference if I try and answer the one with new information and how the author would agree or what would weaken the, the passage because I haven't read the passage. So it's still tough to get these questions correct, but you got to choose your battles wisely. Yeah, this is, this is something that is... <laughs> like is really important. And this is starting to cross into an area that's really hard to talk about in the podcast. Cause I know in the course, we talk about different types of questions, yeah. how to tackle this question, how to tackle that question. And you're right. There are different types of questions and some questions are easier to answer than others. The main idea, I would rather do that. You're right. Then like, how would the author feel about this scenario or, 
or which of these is going to strengthen the author's argument. Like those are going to be a lot harder to answer. But I think the easiest type to answer would be something like I said before, like what did the author mean by capitalism in the second paragraph? And that's the sort of thing that, like you were saying, don't pick the obvious answer, right? Because like they can say whatever they want in the passage and they know that some people are going to bring in outside knowledge to answer uh, a question. Like the passage could say, love is a type of pickle, right? And then there's a question that says, what is love? And the answer is a positive feeling of affection towards another human being. And then another answer says a pickle. The answer is a pickle, right? Like, cause that's what the <laughs> passage said. And so don't, like that happens, that's obviously an extreme example, but that happens all the time where there are wrong answers that are, yeah, that's what this thing is, but they're not asking, they're not trying to figure out what you know. They're trying to figure out, do you know what these people are thinking? And that's a different test, right? And so don't go in and just try to answer questions based on what you think is correct. Because honestly, I think if you did that, you're more likely to miss questions if you just went through like, what do I think for all of these? The test writers know that you that that's one, one of the ways they can trip up students. They're trying to test, do you understand these people? So they're not going to put answers in there that are just common knowledge and just make sense. And so I kind of that's one of the ones I'd kind of stay away from a little bit. But yeah, this this is something that like those of you in the course, you can get a lot better of a breakdown of different types of questions. And like some of these I think will work better than others. I know we also talk about different types of wrong answers and that can help you recognize like, oh, this is an outside knowledge answer. Like obviously like that's what I would think capitalism is. That's what I would think love is. Um, but that's probably not what the actual answer is. And this kind of goes once again back into making sure that you have developed the skills. When you start to recognize this sort of question is often tied with this sort of wrong answer. Like when they ask, what did the author mean by a certain term? Very often there's an answer choice that is like the common definition for that term. And like, that's probably not correct. And so when you develop those skills, you'll be able to, to deal with this a lot better. You'll also... I mean, even if you aren't running out of time, if you know that when they do this sort of question, this is the sort of wrong answer they like to pair with that, it's it's way easier to move through that question quicker because you know what you're looking for. You know the traps they're setting and it's easier to kind of get through that. And that, once again, is why we emphasize timing first or, or timing second, accuracy first. Um, that I'm, I'm super, I'm getting excited about this because this is when like students really start to kind of like figure out the MCAT and all of a sudden like the pieces are falling together. It happens a lot where students kind of are plateauing and then they start to understand how the test writers are building the exams. And then all of a sudden the pieces fit together and then the scores start to skyrocket through there. I do want to address one other thing you said though, which was a lot of times students treat the actual test different than their practice tests. This is why it's important to take practice tests first off from beginning to end in one session. Yes. Um, I had a student and I told him to do this at the beginning. Oh, and, no. but like we like got closer to test day and he was taking practice tests and we took his fourth practice test and his score plummeted. 
for like bio and psych social. I'm like, what happened here? Like what, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I mean, this was the first time I did the test all in one sitting. And I'm like, wait, uh, now is the first time that you're doing this? Like I told you, like, we need to do that all the way through. And so you need to build up the stamina and endurance. Um, and that is, is a big deal. Also, if you want to, you want to emulate test day as much as possible so that when you show up to test day, it feels like just another practice test and so that you're not just changing the way that you're acting, even subconsciously. This is also why I tend to recommend students, if you can, don't take your practice test at home. Take it at a library, right? Like go go somewhere, sit in a chair, like in a, in a place that is not the place you're normally super comfortable in, because that's kind of what's going to happen on test day. Develop a routine, you know, eat the same things for breakfast, um, do the same things on breaks, right? Kind of like get into a, a routine with these things so that when you show up to your actual test day, it feels just like every other day of practice. It feels like there's literally no difference. And so you won't change the way that you're acting as you go through that. The like last little bit, um, is it's really important to practice, obviously, which is kind of like you know putting all of that together. I think that it can be like you want to definitely do all the AAMC stuff, right? You want to do AAMC questions. You want to practice AAMC questions. Um, there are a limited amount of those. And so you also should be practicing with other passages. I want to remind everyone that we have free passages that we put out every single day um, to help students practice and develop these skills. Um, doesn't cost anything. We do it because we feel like students need this. And so we're putting out new stuff all the time. Um, I know that our question bank at this point is, I think it's over 9,000 questions, over 9,000. Um, there's a quick meme for any anime nerds out there. But um, this is something that is continually growing. And so note that you shouldn't ever reach a point where you don't have resources because we are literally giving them to you um, for free. And so develop these skills, like work on this practice stuff. I will also say that, you know, we do our free trial sessions often, multiple a week, where we're going through how to deal with different topics. If you're in the course, we also do a ton of workshops, like how to deal with this passage. What should you be thinking when you see this question? What should you be thinking when you see this answer choice? Like how do you identify and break down what the test writers are thinking, how to go through that? Um, I know that we did some passages in the past um, in the podcast um, <laughs> last year. Um, <laughs> that was not that long ago. Um, but we did some passages in the past, and I think that that can be really useful for students. But those just little inside baseball here, students didn't tend to watch those as much. Um, we are still interested, and we feel like it is useful for students to go through that. Um, whether you are understanding passages from like what resource, um, you still need to kind of like get that practice of how do I break this down? So if you guys have requests of passages you would like us to do in the podcast, we can definitely do that. If you have other questions as well, you can always submit questions to us at podcast at jackweston.com. Um, and we love to hear from students. Um, and if you guys want to send in some questions, we are happy to answer some of those questions. I'd love to do a, a Q&A special. I know we've done that before, as I, but um, nice I like connecting with students. <laughs> and it just feels good to answer their questions and make sure that that people are getting a, a lot out of the podcast overall. 
Absolutely. Um, and for now, like we're we're focusing on, so send us your Jack Weston questions from the daily passages or the practice questions. Um, those are the ones that we're going to be answering. And then not just sending questions to the to the podcast at Jack Weston email, but also requests if there are specific topics that you're thinking, okay, it's kind of tough for me to understand this. Is there a podcast that would be helpful for understanding this? Recognizing that not all topics are necessarily podcast friendly, but um, we will do our best and we want to make sure that we provide you guys what will help you because at the end of the day, that's where you were here for. And then you're always welcome to check in with an academic advisor, see if they can um, demo the course or let you know where the resources are. And we're excited to have you join the Jack Weston family if you haven't already. 